Don't you just love how cohesive scriptures are? I mean, I find it amazing that through Genesis, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, Jesus Christ, God, is exactly the same. The things that we learn in Genesis, we learn in the New Testament, and vice versa. Right? The text today that I'll be reading is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. And as you guys are opening it up, I want to say something quickly. Um, we had a sister here that said, we are living letters. That's found in uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe. And I, one of the scripture verses I, I absolutely love, we are living examples, right? And in that living example, our actions, our speech, our words, everything we do and say need to be glorifying God, right? And we always, what the sister said was we need to pour ourselves out. And I 100% agree on that. But there's one small statement, how can you pour if you have nothing, or how can you give if you have nothing to give? Right? That being said, I believe every single Christian is encouraged and is um, mandated and told to study the Word of God, to learn the Word of God, to see the truths of Scripture and apply Scriptures in your life. And I just, I know most of you heard this from me, and I'll say it again and again, I think some of the best ways to study the Word of God is book by book. And I'm going to highly recommend something for you guys. I have, um, what you can do is go to Amazon, buy these little, it's the one Bible books, right? It's a, a few pages. On one side is scripture, the other side is notes. And what you do is just take, buy one book. It's six, seven dollars on Amazon and study that one book through and through, verse by verse, word by word. What does God want to say through this book? And then after you study it, you say amen, you put it on the bookshelf. And you start with the next one, another six or seven dollars. Best investment you'll ever do in your lifetime. Here I have the book of Hebrews. If anybody's dying to study the book of Hebrews, well, come up to me and I'll, and I'll give you this fresh new one. I haven't written in this one. Um, that being said, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 says this. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in the proper time. Peter, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes these words, humble yourself. He doesn't write it once, he doesn't write it twice, but here he writes it three times. The first time he gives an action, he says, clothe yourselves in humbleness. And then he says, um, because God gives grace to the humble. And then again he says, humble yourself because the humble will be exalted. Talk about repetition, right? That's the best way we learn, repeating and repeating and repeating. Right? Peter uh, is writing to the Christians who are dispersed all over the known world at that time. He says in the starting of this letter, I have written this letter to the aliens, to the Christians who are all over. And he reminds them of that which Christ has done. In the very first chapter, he reminds every single Christian and it reminds us as well that we have been redeemed in Christ. And if we are then redeemed, we have an inheritance in heaven. And if that inheritance is in heaven, we are also protected here on earth unto the day of salvation. And then he closes off with these words, and he's not closes off, he starts off with these words, and he says, Therefore rejoice exceedingly. 
have great joy. That's very comforting to know that Peter's writing to those who are being persecuted, to those Christians who are being persecuted, who are going to trials, who are going to tribulations. And then he ends off with chapter 1 and says, the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he starts off with chapter 2 and says, long for the pure milk of the word. Desire it just like a baby needs milk. You, Christian, desire the word of God. And then he spends the rest of the letter exhorting, teaching Christians how they should live, what kind of actions they should have, what they should do in a world that is not only sinful, but in a world that is persecuting them. It's very humbling to know because towards the end of his letter, he writes these exact verses, humble yourself. These words are not only beautiful, but they're inspired words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, in essence, clothe yourself with humility. God gives grace to the humble, and then the humble will be exalted. So I've labeled my sermon, humble yourself just like you put on clothes. You see, my friends, the sin of pride, the sin of self-exaltation, the sin of arrogance is all throughout scripture. And we can see that God hates the proud. If you look at Psalms 138.6, it says, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And again in Matthew 23.12, Jesus says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You see, all throughout Genesis, all throughout the kings, throughout prophets in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the apostles, pastors, the pastors in the New Testament, all talk about this sin of pride, and God hates the pride and arrogant. You see, in Proverbs 8.13, he says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, but pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And we have to ask ourselves, why does God hate pride so much? In Psalms 10.4 it says, In the pride of his face the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. You see, my friends, with pride, pride says it is all about me. Pride says, I don't need anybody else. Arrogance says, I can do this on my own. Pride does not look to God. And according to Psalms 10, it says, pride says that there is no God. And all throughout scriptures, we can see that pride is given in a negative connotation. We know that pride... In the American language, there's a good kind of pride and there's a a bad kind of pride. All throughout scripture, that, that pride is usually always given in a negative connotation. I don't think, actually I can say this, I don't know every single one of you. But I can tell you that pride is vibrant in this church. I can tell you in my life first, 
pride is there. There's a story that I um, heard long, long ago, but I can never seem to forget it. There's a small church, and they decided um, one weekday to do a, um, like a Hall of Fame type of thing where they um, call up members of the church, and they give them awards for something special. They called up the best singer, and they gave him this big medallion, and they said, congratulations, brother. And they gave a, another medallion to uh, those who preach really well, and they gave another medallion who serves very well. And they called up this man, and they said, this man deserves the most humble person in this church award. And they call him up here, and they give him this medallion, and they congratulated him. The man goes home, comes back next week wearing that same exact medallion. They had to take it away because he wasn't the most humble person in the world or in the church. You see, pride is a sin and pride is hated by God. It is not a good thing. And I want you to ask yourself, scriptures teach us to examine ourselves. Scripture teaches us to check ourselves. My brother always says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? Check yourself. Is there pride in you? Is there pride sitting in you? Right? We look at the scriptures, and the first thing that Peter says, he's talking to in verse 5, he says, You younger men, so I'm going to look at you guys. Right? He's first focusing on the you younger men, and then he says, a little bit, a few words later, he says, And all of you, so men, and ladies, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Peter could have given plenty of different illustrations and plenty of different sayings, but I love this illustration, clothe yourself. Right? What Peter is saying, in essence, when you wake up in the morning and get dressed and put on your clothes, do the same thing with humility. As you get out of the house and you put on a jacket, do the same thing, put it on. Put humility on you. As you get dressed for church, put on humility. As you go to work, put on humility. As you do anything, put on humility. The funny thing about clothes is, is that you have to change every single day. Me, I have to change five times a day. But that encourages us and helps us to understand that humility is not something we put once and forget about it. It's not something that we put on once the day we asked the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts and accepted him as Lord and Savior and never touched it again. No, in all honesty, we have to put it on every single day. We have to make that choice, that decision. We have to be proactive about it. Every morning I wake up, I say I put on humility because if I don't, I will walk in pride. I will walk in arrogance. Right? Apostle Peter reminds us and says to us, hey, I need you to understand this. Put on humility just like you put on a jacket or a pair of shoes or a belt or socks or anything. The same way you do that, put it on you. Make that decision, make that choice to put on humility. Why? Because 
Jesus Christ, he quotes the Old Testament actually. He says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this, I actually looked for it. It's not exactly said like this all throughout scripture, but he quotes um, plenty of verses. Um, But I want us to look at one specific one. He quotes this in James chapter four, and he quotes this in, in 4, 6. He says, but he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 29.33 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And again, Psalms 138.6 says, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. I want us to look at Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 18. If you can take your Bibles out to Luke chapter 18. Look at verse 9. I want to read these verses with you guys. It says, And he also told this parable. Jesus told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. In other words, those who were proud. Two men, one, two, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a day. I pay tithes and all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, wasn't even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The sermon that um, our brother Tim spoke, the Ninevites, what did they do? They heard the gospel message and they, they were saved. And how did they do it? They humbled themselves before the Lord. It says that they fasted, not just them, the adults to the kids. It says that they put sackcloths. It says that they mourned. They humbled themselves before the Lord. And what happened? Christ was merciful towards them. God was merciful towards them. Yet opposed to the Pharisees that our brother Tim was talking about, they saw Christ, they saw his miracles. I'm encouraged by the story in Mark, um, in the book of Mark, where there's four friends in the paralytic, and they couldn't get into the house where Jesus was preaching. So what did they do? Everybody knows the story. They went to the rooftop, they opened, um, they opened the, the top, and they put the paralytic down. And Jesus says that Jesus Christ saw their faith, and he looked at this paralytic and said, your sins are forgiven. And immediately, the Pharisees, it says, they thought to themselves, they reasoned in their heart, Who can forgive sins but God alone? And what did God, Jesus Christ do? He looked at them dead center and said, Why do you say that? What is easier to do? To forgive sins or to let, or to heal a man, in essence. And then he looked at this man and said, Stand up, take your bed, and walk. We always miss the fact that Jesus Christ just read somebody's mind, read somebody's thoughts. I find that encouraging. And I think if personally, if I, if I was there and he read my mind, I would freak out a little bit. I'll be honest with you. 
right? But these Pharisees, they saw the miracles, they saw Jesus Christ, they saw the teachings. But what were they? Proud. They were proud. They couldn't see the fact that Jesus Christ came as a humble, lowly man. They expected a king full in splendor, pride. But no, Jesus Christ came and he humbled himself. As we continue in our study of First Peter, chapter 5, we first saw that we need to clothe ourselves with humility. We first need to put on this humility, make that choice as Christians to put on that humility. Right? And then going back and Peter quotes the Old Testament, quotes scripture and says, God is what? Opposed to the proud, but he hates the humble. He, he gives grace to the humble. Sorry, thank you. I appreciate that. And then verse 6 says, Therefore, here's your call to action, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. My friends, I'll be 100% honest with you. One cannot humble himself without Jesus Christ. One cannot stay humbled without that which Jesus Christ has done. You see, Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ humbled himself first. I read it in the Last Supper that he put on a towel and he humbled himself and he washed the disciples' feet. He humbled himself. Right? And then afterwards he said, oh, just like I have done, you do to one another. If Christ humbled himself, how much more should we humble ourselves? See, what does humbleness say? Humbleness says, I cannot do it on my own. Humbleness says, I am lower than everybody else. Humbleness says, I need Christ. And if you notice, Humbleness is something, and we see it again and again and again. Humbleness is something that Jesus, that God, loves. He gives grace to the humble. He regards highly those who are low. He will exalt those who are humble. God loves the humble. Why? Because it is the humble that realize their need for God. It is the humble that realize that they cannot do this on our own. The proud says, I can do this on my own. The proud says, I can fix whatever situation I'm in. I don't need anybody and I don't need God. Yet the humble says, I need God. Earlier or later of last year, we had a teens conference and our topic was the Beatitudes. The first Beatitude, Jesus Christ says, actually, I'll just open it for you guys. In Matthew chapter 5, Right, verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who humble themselves, for to them the kingdom of heaven belongs. 
You see, when we are poor in spirit, we stand here and we say, I am saved not by my own works. I am saved not because of something I've done. I am saved not because of how good I am, not because I go to church, not because I, go, I was born in a Christian family, not because my dad's a pastor. None of this. We humble ourselves, humble, humble ourselves and we say, God, I need you. I can't live without you. Every breath that I take, every step that I make, I cannot live without you. I am in desperate, desperate need for you. And God promises, according to 1 Peter, that in his right time, in the proper time, he will exalt you. In his good timing, he will exalt you. Sometimes I ask myself, what is better to say? Well done, Mark. You did a good job. You said a good sermon. You did a good deed. And my pride and arrogance say, I'm so special or so amazing. Well done, Mark. Or to come to heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servant. We have a choice, my friends. We have a decision to make. This is not... A sermon that we hear, we say, what a nice sermon, and we walk out. This is a choice that we have to make and not make today, make every single day, make every single hour, make every single moment. Do I clothe myself with humility just like I put on a jacket? Do I put on this humility? Do I walk out of my house knowing that I am absolutely dependent upon Christ? The question remains to you, are you dependent on Christ or are you dependent on yourself? Are you prideful or are you humble? I'll read these verses again because I think they're very good verses. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in the proper time. I want to go to James quickly with you guys. In James chapter 4, verse 6. And I love how James says it here. Verse 6 and on says, But he gives greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How do you draw near to God? In humbleness. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. James is not saying it's bad to laugh. But what he is saying is, when you stand before the Lord, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Amen. Let's stand up and pray.